Welcome to the PR Moment Podcast. Produced in association with the Marketeers Network. On the podcast this week, we're talking to Clive Boone, CEO of the ESG Foundation. Clive has worked in a number of agency and in-house roles, including JLL, Lansons and Lewis. He founded the ESG Foundation in March 2020. The foundation exists to focus the attention of organisations on the importance of environmental, social impact and corporate governance behaviours. Before we start, do make sure you've taken a look at the PRCA's National Conference, which is a face-to-face event. Um, I believe you can also watch it on a live stream um, if you prefer. It's a full day conference in London on July the 8th, exploring communication and influence in a post-pandemic world. Speakers include communication leaders from the likes of Google and IKEA, as well as big names including Alistair Campbell and Sophie Morgan. Tickets are available from the PRCA's website. Also, for those of you who are interested in the topic of today's podcast, ESG, do take a look at uh, PR Moment's brand new ESG Awards, which has categories related to the UN's 17 Sustainable Development Goals. Clive, welcome to the PR Moment podcast. Well, thank you very much for having me on. Um, now, Clive, as I said in my intro, I want to, I want to focus the majority of this podcast on, on the ESG report and, and what that's all about. Um, but before we go on, for anyone that's new to ESG, could, could you just explain what it is and why it's so important for PR professionals? Cool. ESG is a method of evaluating corporate behaviours based on environmental, social impact and corporate governance factors aimed at encouraging sustainable progression. And what that really means is that anybody that was familiar with the phrase corporate social responsibility will be aware that if you're going to analyse your environmental, your social impact and your corporate governance behaviours, it's superseded CSR. And the reason that it's superseded CSR, which everybody is familiar with, is because an awful lot of a large number of organisations I think, have been found to have fantastic corporate social responsibility reports. But at the same time, they can greenwash their either their environmental impact or perhaps something as similar, simple as um, their diversity and inclusion uh, performance. I'll give you a good, for instance, not many um, months ago, um, I I advised a client who um, wanted an ESG report and they did well on their environmental reporting statistics. They did well, reasonably well, on suggesting that they paid their suppliers on time and they looked after their staff and their health and safety record was really good. But when it came to the G, the corporate governance um, behaviours, having said that they were a firm that applauded inclusion, um, diversity and, in, in, and you know, diversity and inclusion was important to them, They then looked at their own executive board, which had seven white middle-aged men on and one woman and nobody of colour. And when I tell you this was an organisation that um, had a broad B2C offering, clearly their executive team wasn't reflecting the stakeholders that they served. And so the challenge for them, of course, is to change Um, that and they wouldn't have been able to objectively look at it or the non-execs 
wouldn't have been able to objectively look at that ESG report if a report hadn't been written. Because they've been ticking the box for CSR for years and years and years without actually getting to the nub of the fact that if they were going to do a really good ESG report and embed it strategically across, across their organisation, they need to get into a situation where women, people of colour and those with disabilities can also rise to the senior roles in the organisation. Right. So that's right. why an ESG report supersedes a CSR report. And has ESG in effect killed CSR then or can CSR still exist as uh, within a company that's that 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 is working um with a with a good ESG practice that's a loaded question thank you for that I can feel uh, I'm never going to turn my back on a CS on a head of CSR ever again um I think in time those people who are attracted to the sustainability space for all the right reasons will recognize that they need to widen their remit. So there will always be, and in fact, there's an increasing need now for people who have got sustainable qualifications, those people who've looked at the environment and heaven knows um, there are enough environmental challenges um, to, to overcome. But in addition to that, I think somebody in a, in a senior leadership role looking at CSR will also want to broaden it and look at social impact and corporate governance structures. The challenge is because ESG is ultimately a strategic responsibility of the senior leadership team, the senior leadership team have to buy into this as well, which is why I started the foundation, because I actually genuinely want all senior leaders to take personal responsibility that ESG is at the heart of what they do. Okay. And what about, just to keep throwing you these curveballs, and what about purpose? Where, where, where's that fit into that? Is it a triangle? Because purpose is going to stay, isn't it? That's a slightly different thing than, than CSR. Where, where do you see the relationship between ESG and purpose? Well, um, thank you for asking me that question, because um, I listened to a fantastic presentation last week that, that the PR Moment produced, and, and Matt Peacock, um, spoke about purpose and I had a moment of epiphany because when I started the ESG Foundation a year ago I hadn't appreciated that for the first three months that's what I'd been considering um, without giving it the label and and for me purpose is all about not only the raison d'etre for an organization but the mechanics you put in place to actually measure what difference you're making and I think if you don't do that as an advisor for your clients, you'll find it very difficult to manage what you're not measuring. So um, that's what purpose is. As far as ESG is concerned, ESG is focused specifically on those three metrics, both for environment, social impact and corporate governance. Um, whereas you could suggest that purpose fits above all of them. The challenge is um, trying, to, tr trying to measure that um, or, you know, and, and to have comparisons and ultimately um, the investment community is not so interested in measuring purpose as just being aware of its existence because the metrics for ESG can actually be measured and they can be tracked. So that's why the investment community particularly is so interested now in ESG rather than just purpose or rather than, say, CSR. And where do you see that? And yeah, so so purpose as a... 
you know, we almost had it, I was going to say a year of purpose. We had maybe three, three years of purpose, didn't we? Do you, but you think organisations are going to be talking more about their their ESG performance as opposed to their purpose performance? So, or is, is the purpose more the, um, the, the, the sort of the front end of the organisation? Or do you think ESG will become um, a, a metric beyond just the, the investment community? I'm trying to think of a metaphor to compare purpose and ESG, and it's something along the lines of um, a car, you know, the way a car looks could be its purpose, but actually how it works is the ESG. Um, So, you know, when you lift the bonnet of purpose up, what actually is there to fix or to, you know, make sure is in good working order. And for me, that's where ESG comes in. ESG offers you, um, it's all well, it's the engine of an organization but but in terms of you know what that what 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 the how big the car is or you know what the uh, car does what it, what yeah. it does yeah. yeah i think i think that's its purpose does that yeah. make sense yeah no definitely um and we, where do you see the role of pr and comms in people in all of this because i mean, i guess it does differ between different organizations i'm not particularly suggesting there's one right answer to that but you see a fair bit of this where where are where are pr and comms people contributing to esg within their businesses at the moment great question and once again i I, i've considered this long and hard only because as you know from my cv i I come from a public relations background and the very last thing that i think esg needs to become is yet another mechanism for people who don't really understand what public relations is properly about to suggest that we're out there professional professionally greenwashing the the clients for whom we serve or the the companies we're working for in-house and and the reason that i don't think esg is an opportunity for the pr sector to greenwash uh, reputation is simply because um there isn't any hiding place if you're properly and accurately reporting the E, the S, and the G. Going back to my analogy previously of the ESG report that never saw the light of day, because by the time the executive team looked at the G, they realized it wasn't publishable in its current form. That's that's why ESG is such an accurate measure and a reflection of, of an organization's um, progression. And the reason that I think public relations professionals have a, an important role to play is because we ideally control the words. We're the ones who choose the phrases. We're the ones who look at um, the information that's been fed to us and then craft it in a way that is easy to understand and and consistent. And for, for me, for the organisations I've worked in or advised, I actually think the public relations function is absolutely at the heart of... Um, the, the creation of an ESG report. And um, one of the graduate interns we've got in the foundations recently written um, an article about um, what an ESG, what, what a PR freelancer should know um, about ESG. And ultimately it's, it's storytelling. Um, you know, we are the storytellers within an organization and therefore, uh, and the reason that we're not greenwashed, storytellers is because the metrics we are supplied by the people in the CSR team or the people in HR or the people um, in the accounts team, um, those aren't facts that that can be or shouldn't be facts that can be embellished. So 
I absolutely think that it's the PR industry's greatest opportunity to really demonstrate its strategic value to an organization. Now, at the moment, it's only listed companies who've got a regulatory requirement to produce an ESG report. And actually, in the UK, there isn't a regulatory requirement for the FTSE 350 to be reporting on their ESG performance, but it's being demanded of them by the investment community because the investment community realise that if you're going to compare one bank with another, a good way of doing that is comparing both the financials in the annual report and also their ESG report. Right. And, and, but, but the, and I'm just going to mention, in Hong Kong, I think, there is now a regulatory requirement for, for listed companies. And I think it's just a matter of time before well-run organisations the senior leadership teams recognise that they actually want to produce an ESG report. Yeah. And so just to confirm, the role of the story of, of I should say, sorry, the, the, the PR stroke comms people within the ESG report and the ESG process, really, um, is, is, on the, is on the storytelling then, is it? On, on, the, on the editing and the putting together of that report? Uh, or, or is it a bit more fundamental to it? It's the same process as the production of, say, of an annual report, if you're working for a listed business. Um, you know, the, the accountants produce the data and then the um, comms team write that up in a digestible format and it's then signed off by probably the chief marketing officer, chief financial officer and the board. An ESG report is no different from that, other than the metrics are coming in across the whole of the organization rather than just in one place. So do you, do, do, where who's sort of holding or pulling all that information together within a business? Does it tend to be these um, head of sustainability or the head of ESG or, or who, who sort of plays that, 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 um, that, that role within a business or, or is there not a, a standard typical answer to that? Uh, the, the easy answer to, to that question is there's no typical um answer at the moment because within the last three years the PR industry has only become really aware I would suggest of what a, an ESG report was um, and I'd be more than surprised if three quarters of the audience that we're talking to today have actually seen an ESG report. If they want to see one um, we've got a showcase of them on the ESG Foundation's website because we recognise that um, if you're tasked with writing one, not only do you want to write a better one than uh, the one you did last year, but actually you also want to see whether there are any new metrics that are being included, not just by competitors, but by others um, who are producing reports, because these don't necessarily just have to be works of art. Um, these are genuine um, deep dives into an organization's DNA, and the more improved those reports are. They don't need to necessarily either be very long. Um, they just need to be easily digestible year on year. Well, well go on um, then. What, so what, what, what sort of information is in them from a, K, a KPI? Is there, I guess it changed. Is it different by sector or are there some sort of standard KPIs that, that tend to be in them or indeed have to be in them? I'd, I'd, I'd retired on this question if I got a pound for every time I was asked it. Um, <laughs> I think, thanks. Uh, I think the best place to start is with the 17 sustainable United Nations uh, Sustainable Development Goals. Um, if you 
address each one of those goals as it relates to your organization, I think you've come up with a really good ESG report. Um, I haven't yet seen an ESG report that had 17 different sections, specifically about poverty, reducing hunger, um, health and well-being, quality education, gender equality. I'm going to rattle them off just so you know what they are. Uh, clean water, sanitation, affordable and clean energy, a decent place to work, industrial um, innovation, reducing inequality, sustainable cities and communities, responsible consumption, climate action, life below the water, life on land, peace, justice and strong institutions and partnerships and goals. I think if you've got a section that responds to each one of those sustainable development goals, your ESG report won't be far away, my son, from actually producing something that people find of interest and understanding the purpose of the organisation that you've written it for. And if you, you probably we can go and read the read the reports on on the ESG Foundation's website, I suppose. But are there fairly, or are there are are we beginning to see some standardised KPIs within within each of those seventeen goals, or is it a bit early, too, too early a days for that? Well, let me let me answer. I think the answer is I think it's too early, but I think I've got a few top tips, which is the first one, and this will resonate with every PR person out there. Is first of all, identify the target audience that you're producing the report for you're trying to influence, why? Um, avoid um, vague and abstract language because these target audiences aren't used to reading ESG reports. Um, I think the first instance of the phrase, by the way, was 2014. That's how new this phrase is. Um, and the other thing to, to make the report valuable is to establish precise targets. And and so whilst I'm suggesting for work that the majority of these reports will be written by the PR team, there's a piece of work that goes before the actual writing of the report, which is the determination of what are the aims and intentions for the future? How are we going to measure them? And in terms of, before you ask it, how far ahead should our goals be? I would recommend something in the region of between three and five years. Okay. Now, that therefore makes production of an ESG report strategic um, piece of work because you're not just writing a press release or an article for the moment you're actually trying to track the progress of an organization over 18 months three months three years five years does that make sense uh, definitely so a couple of other quick thoughts that you you um you sort of raised a bit yourself there. how long do they need to be ESG supports ESG reports I should say sorry um I have a suspicion that the longer they are the more they're trying to hide. Okay. So from a public relations perspective, um, I would, um, and we ultimately there'll be, there'll be prizes, won't there, for the best written ones. But I think the best written ones will be the short, shorter, the, the short as they possibly can be. And, and clearly it depends on how large your organisation is, depending on what the metrics are that you're, that you're measuring. Um, so, the majority of the reports that we've got, I think, on the showcase are anything between 12 pages to, to, to 100. Um, 100 pages? Goodness me. Well, right. think about it. Unilever, you know, okay. Unilever, how many product lines does Unilever have? Right. Um, you know, each, each one of the different product areas, whether that be, you know, the manufacturing of shampoo or the making of baked beans, um, the story behind each of those is slightly different. 
And I think it's wholly appropriate for them to say, well, you know, this is what's going on in the world of shampoo. This is how we're measuring our uh, performance against the 17 development goals. Um, and this, meanwhile, is what's going on in the baked bean industry. So that's that's why these reports can be that big, simply because an organisation is doing a lot. And who's reading them? I mean, is it is it retail investors, institutional investors? Is it the public? Who are they designed to, to, to be for? Oh, well, this is where I come in, um, because I started the foundation on the basis that I don't think um, the next generation of, of leaders are going to work for organisations that don't put ESG at the heart of, of what they do. And I, I'm, I, I live in a household with two Generation Z uh, women, um, and they're very demanding of their employee their employers, much more so than ever I was. And I think going forward, um, whether that be the Me Too movement or Black Lives Matter, I think the expectation now of people in their 20s, 30s and 40s is so much more and quite appropriately demanding of the leaders that they're working for. And therefore, to ask that, answer that question, an ESG report, maybe in a summary form, will be of interest to any new recruits, anybody looking to join an organisation, number one. The reason that they're being produced at the moment by listed businesses is because the investment community are hanging on their every word. And organisations like MSCI and FTSE have specific metrics per, per, per each of the sectors. And all the organisations that are listed are trying to benchmark themselves against those. One of the things I think that the public relations profession can can could not pat itself on the back, it's not quite right. But I think one of the things that we can do here is to recognise that the opportunities to greenwash an ESG report are diminished, are few and far between. Whereas I think before when people um, were writing their sustainability reports, obviously trying to make themselves look as, as user-friendly as they possibly could, there's very little hiding place um, in an ESG report that's well-written and accurately compiled. Um, and if it isn't well written and accurately compiled, it'll get rejected and it'll get rejected not just by the board, but by the investment community or um, by stakeholders, whether they be suppliers or or staff. Okay. So the, um, the the incentive to, uh, to to greenwash just isn't there, in essence. Have you got so give, go on, give us some, some good examples of, of ESG reports. So which, which ones are your favourite? OK, well, through the medium of mine. Um, let me do this uh, to the podcast. Um, I think the Hilton Hotel, Hilton Hospitality, have got a terrific one. Um, they've got they've looked at their twenty thirty goals, and they've tracked their progress to date. Um, and and sometimes they're able to demonstrate how they've accelerated their progress against their goals, which I I think is interesting. And bearing in mind, of course, you know when you remember the days when we used to go abroad and we used to stay in hotels, you're always suggested that you know use as few towels as you can um, because you know, the water here is in short supply. Um, their report is full of those, which I love. I think it's brilliant. Another one, and this is perhaps counterintuitive, but I like MCOR group. Um, I like their um, report. It's not very glossy, um, but they're a mechanical and electrical construction organisation. And um, basically identified that some of the things that they do on behalf of their customers could be perceived, you know, they're not an extraction industry, but sometimes the sin 
uh, is it the sin companies, you know, the ones who dr the, the drinks manufacturers or the extraction industries, um, they have a story to tell too. And I think their ESG reports are well worth looking at. Mm -hmm. um, another one, just I'm going to get, rattle off three more. Microsoft is fantastic, as you might probably imagine. Um, I also like Coca-Cola's. And one of the things I particularly like about Coca-Cola is the fact that I've I've learned about their water uh, resilience um, uh, projects, which was completely new new to me. Um, and, and what they've done is to link that to the Millennium Goals, and that's of course where we started. You know, what should you put in a good ESG report? Um, I think start with the UN uh, Sustainable Development Goals, and you won't go far wrong. Right. Okay. Um, and any bad ones that you, you might want to mention, or, or do, you want to, do, you, do you want to take the fifth on that? Well, uh, I'll take the fifth. I'm not sure my personal indemnity insurance, nor yours, <laughs> will, will cover us. Um, and I wouldn't want to upset anybody, but I right. think if you've written a poor ESG report, you should be thinking about running away and maybe revising it pretty quickly because, you know, both my organisation and others, I think you mentioned B Corp, you know, we exist uh, to open up transparency on this. And I think the more people who are more transparent and open, um, the better we'll be in business. And actually, one thing I should have mentioned, I keep using the word business. I don't actually mean business. I mean any employer, um, whether that be in the public sector or the private sector. I think any organization, whether they run in a bus service or the council, um, waste disposal um, or making, you know, or, or, or Goldman Sachs, all of us need to consider our ESG reports from now on. And I think that's a fantastic opportunity for the public relations industry to roll up its sleeves and say, we're going to learn about this and, and we're going to help shape what the next um, iteration of the ESG report looks like. Brilliant. Clyde Booth, CEO of the ESG Foundation. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the PR Moment podcast, produced in association with the Marketeers Network. If you'd enjoyed the show, please do review us on iTunes and give us a decent rating.